All right, here we go. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. No fancy intro music today. Not much of fancy anything off the jump. Let's talk about the audio quality of your boy. I'm in the middle of a move. Who knows where my microphones are? The mixers are. They're not even in the same apartment that I am right now. So we're going, we're going a little bit raw today with uh, the AirPods, and that's about it. And the Zoom audio, that's all we got. But still sounding beautiful across the internet over there is my guy, Pat Boyle. Pat Boyle, what's up, brother? What's up, dude? I got to give you a shout-out because you are coming back home. You are coming back home to Jersey City slash Hoboken. We are going to be a five-minute walk from each other. And I know you've been grinding your balls off this whole weekend, moving everything, going from Princeton to jc slash hoboken and glad to have you back man glad to have you oh. back one and two yeah like you said no fancy stuff here raw dog in the pod nothing better let's get cracking straight up raw tonight and i love it it uh it reminds me of last season last football season when we're doing the pod every single week you and i talking you know we get towards december maybe even november and uh you tell me that you're moving to hoboken and i was heartbroken to tell you that I was moving out in like a month. <laughs> so I literally moved out of Hoboken right as you moved in just to move back one year later. And now uh, probably come January, post the holidays and whatnot, we, we, we could do a podcast in person for the first time ever. Pat, we may have done, I don't know, 50 podcasts together. Actually, we have done one in person technically together uh, on Boyle and Shen at Stevens Institute of Technology. And that was it. That was the only time we ever done this in person together in about 50 episodes. And that was like two and a half years ago. Yeah. That, that seemed like, that seemed like centuries ago. You said that I was like, when, and then you're like at Stevens and I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. That was literally, that was the second or third ever episode of Boyle and Shen. So yes. how far, how far we've come in just a year, man. Now you've got, now you're, you know, you're, we're part of a, a new family here with subway sports talk. We got DraftKings as a sponsor oh, yeah. now. I mean, you have, uh, you have, you've poured your heart and soul into this, man. And I'm, I'm glad to see where it's taken us here and where it's taken you over the last 12 months. And now reunited, just a short walk away, just a short skip across the pond. We can literally be doing these in person almost every time. A stone's throw away, some would say. Some would say we're a stone's throw away. And I look forward to it. Uh, speaking of our friends over at DraftKings and the Basketball Podcast Network, let's talk about DK for a second here. Football fans. I'm sure we all loved an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, we still got you covered. You can get in on the action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. 
See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambler problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And that's what we got here, Pat Boyle. DraftKings giving us some love. Hopefully you guys give them some love as well. I know we had our picks because the move, because of all the action going on this weekend. You had uh, work at the fan and at every college that you're calling games at, and you're a busy man as well. I was a mid, I was driving a U-Haul around the start of the 1 o'clock games. So uh, we didn't get your picks out on the interwebs. I did end up going 3-2, and two, Pat. What did you end up doing? We'll put those out just uh, for record's sake um, yeah. after this podcast here. But how did you end up playing this weekend? One, one and four, dude. I, I was speaking of oh. raw dog in the pod. I got raw dogged. Um, I, I should have, you know, I just ended up doing the picks that I gave out on the, the show I did on CBS Sports Radio late Friday night, early Saturday morning. You know, anytime I'm doing a, a show on the radio, I feel like you, it's like you're kind of breaking code if you don't just go straight up against the spread. And right. then after after I give them out on national radio, I'm like, you know what? I feel really good about these, right? Like after I've convinced myself that I don't need the tees, I don't need the parlays, just give me five picks against the spread. And sure enough, I go one and four, one the win being Dallas, the four losses, one of them being Cleveland, who led 24 oh. to three, and Tyler Huntley comes back to get a cover for Baltimore, nearly win the other two losses on Sunday. Buffalo comes all the way back from 24-3 down, gives up an overtime touchdown, does not cover the three and a half. And the other loss was Cincinnati, who also comes down from double-digit deficit to get it to overtime, kicks a field goal. I'm thinking, all right, at worst here, like, you know, San Francisco's got to go all the way down, score a touchdown. Like, I think think they're going to win, maybe a tie at worst, and I cover. Nope, they score a touchdown. So I lose two in overtime. And then Monday night, I pick Arizona. And, of course, Kyler Murray has arguably his worst game of the season. And even then, they had a chance to get back in it late and don't do it. So, nice one and four record. As it's been a slog, man. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a struggle this year on the picks. It's certainly not the 60% clip from last year. That being said, just got to make the most here of the, the last four weeks of the regular season and try to get hot for the playoffs. And that's all you can really do here now is just chip away at that record. Uh, I think I put the kibosh on you. I put the whammy on you, Pat. I put all this pressure in the first week of the season. I was like, this guy, Pat Boyle, 60% plus winning percentage last year. You got to watch this guy's picks. And then you had a tough year. Um, Thankfully, I'm actually now, I think it was two or at least two, maybe three winning weeks in a row. I was three and two this week, also on the Cowboys. And then the Seahawks hit on the straight up for me. The Ravens covered in the tees with the Chargers, uh, and I had one other hit that I am forgetting now off the top of my head, but I'll check that um, in a second here. But, yeah, I'm now five games above 500, and the picks have been tough, man, this year. And uh, Underdogs were crushing for a really long time, and that's, you know, the teasers that were hitting all year really slowed down, and those stopped hitting, and people were getting hurt for it. And then uh, – you know, all of a sudden this week, favorites were 11 and two going into Monday night. And then the Rams made that 11 and three. So it was a, a, a big time swing in week 14 here, where all of a sudden we saw these underdogs winning outright and covering the spread. The favorites got back on top with this one. And uh, uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is this Bucks Bills game that you mentioned. We're going to talk about that Niners Bengals game. Also that you mentioned brutal losses on the betting front for you, but interesting games uh, to talk about the AFC North is a mess. The playoff picture in both 
sides, AFC and NFC, both kind of a mess. So we'll navigate that. But I think a perfect place to start is actually going to be that Rams and Cardinals game that we just saw. So with that being said, you know, you were on the Cardinals. You've been all year. I feel like part of you probably is riding that prediction that you so eloquently made all season long from the preseason. The Cardinals were not going to be a team to mess with this year. This time, interdivision matchup. The Rams needed this one bad. If the Rams lose this game, all of a sudden they're neck and neck with the Niners who are seemingly playing the best football of their season. And now not only is the uh, NFC West out of the picture to win that for them, not out, but more or less out of the picture for them, now their playoff life in general is not a gimme, where it seemed like a gimme this entire season. They get all these COVID uh, hits towards the end, Jalen Ramsey being the marquee guy who's out. From that perspective, Pat, did you think of this as a kitchen sink game here for the Rams? Like as we got closer to Monday night, did you think that there was going to be a sense of urgency with the Rams team that we haven't really seen much of to this point? Like, yeah, they beat the Jaguars a week ago, but who the hell cares, right? They showed up and probably put their most impressive win on tape on this Monday night against the Cardinals, who they got creamed by just a few weeks back. So what did you see from them? And is this something that you kind of saw coming perhaps uh, once their backs were truly, truly against the wall? No, no, to be honest, man, I was really surprised at how this game played out. Um, You know, the turnovers, turnovers were the difference, costly turnovers uh, from Arizona. And, you know, the Rams, I knew they were going to try to throw the ball. And look, Stafford had not looked good in those three losses back to back against San Francisco, Green Bay, and a couple of weeks ago against Tennessee, right? His decision-making was poor. A lot of interceptions, a lot of red zone inconsistencies. And, uh, you know, the fact that they lost Robert Woods, you knew, like, at a, at a certain point, they were going to get Odell Beckham worked into the offense. And they was, it was kind of just going to be, I think, you know, one for one. I mean, let's be honest. So Dell's not the superstar receiver he was three years ago, four years ago. So, like, I really think that Robert Woods at this point, and, and in terms of the chemistry that he had with the with McVay and, and Stafford at that point, was just as valuable as getting Odell. Uh, but Cooper Cup just he continues to get better and better. I mean, it is unbelievable. He honestly is an MVP candidate. Like, that's not even that's not a hot take. That's not an overreaction. That might be an underreaction. Like, he might be deserving of the MVP. If the season ended today, he is an absolute stud and he catches everything that comes his way. The yak yards are unbelievable. He is the most dangerous weapon right now in the NFL quarterback receiver, running back any position. It's Cooper cup because there's times, I mean, at 13 catches, 13 catches. There's times that Arizona knows that Stafford's going to throw it to him. They can't stop him. They can't get tight coverage. He's getting separation, whether it's zone, if it's man to man, forget about it. I mean, I can't believe Vance Joseph, like we know the type of defensive coordinator he is. If you're going to go blitz up the middle with the linebackers and you're playing man, you got to put a double on him or you got to show some, some, some decoys. You got to show something different because it was pretty vanilla in terms of you have the two linebackers lined up in the a gap and they showed it right away. And it, almost every single time there was no bluff. It was just straight. All right, blitz up the middle. Let's see if we can get to them with the Rams being down two linemen. You got to give the backups a lot of credit. You know, they were down the right tackle and their center. And both of those guys that, that filled in stepped up for them. And Matt Stafford arguably had his best game of the year. So you got to give the Rams credit for that. 
you know, that being said, this game totally swinged right from the beginning. Cardinals are up three, nothing. They get a field goal. They get a three and out on defense and they're driving and Kyler Murray, you know, if, if it's not Aaron Donald right there, that ball probably doesn't get tipped and it's probably mm-hmm. a touchdown, but it should have been 10, nothing. And instead it's a pick. And then the game totally swung right on that moment. And the Rams never looked back. They did not turn the ball over. They were pristine in terms of taking care of the football and the defense gets two turnover on downs in or right near the red zone. And, uh, you know, some all the stuff I've been praising Cliff Kingsbury for, he doesn't take the points when they're down two scores to get it to an 11-point game. That would have given them a chance to potentially uh, kick a field goal to tie the game, if I'm not mistaken, because it would have been 27-16, and then they scored a touchdown. They could have been down by three, and instead they don't do that, and that ends up costing them as well. So all in all, it was a perfect storm for Arizona to – have turnovers and mistakes cost them this game. And, you know, them not being able to get the job done at home is a, is a real, it's a real truth right now for them, right? They're, they're undefeated on the road and they're not a great team at home. And it doesn't make sense. Very strange. You don't see that every day, seven and oh on the road. Now three and three at home, not something that you will, you know, expect to see consistently here. Um, from any team really, especially one that's top of the league, basically. So on the Cooper cup front, I think it's really interesting. You said that because Jonathan Taylor got a little buzz in the MVP discussion here. Um, and now you're, you're mentioning Cooper cup. Why not? Right. I heard that on the broadcast and it's not something you really think about very often, but right now he's in the lead for the triple crown for wide receivers, most receptions, most yards, most touchdowns. And is that enough to put him truly in the cut in the conversation? I don't know. I mean, receivers winning the MVP is not something that we're going to expect to see to expect to happen uh, anytime soon. But if anyone's going to be mentioned in this conversation, it's Cooper Cup, man. It, it's so insane how open he is. And you hear people all week talking like, "Oh, you just got a double Cooper Cup. You just got to take him out." And the, what do the Rams have? Oh, why don't we just take out Cooper Cup? And the Rams got nothing left to uh, to throw at you from the offensive perspective. Nobody has been able to do it. This guy gets ten catches seemingly every single week. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, down the field, short, intermediate, the whole nine. He's freaking impressive. Um, and, yeah, the one thing I do want to mention, though, with the Rams is the run game here a little bit. Starting to show up, starting to be a little bit more consistent. I don't want to give all the credit in the world to Sonny Michelle. I don't think he's a game changer back right now. But he is one of these running backs who kind of understands. He's like a, a veteran guy who just kind of knows what to do, knows where to go, knows how to run. And that is something that the Rams have missed. Daryl Henderson, I don't think was fooling many people this season when he had some decent numbers here and decent numbers there. It it wasn't really very impressive to watch. So now this offense, you know, we feel a little better about them now as they just beat a Cardinals defense. That was no joke on the Cardinals front with Kyler Murray. Now though, Pat, is it a little bit of just unfortunate game script with that big turnover and then they're playing catch up or is there anything specifically that maybe you can point to with their offense. That's not quite working, uh, making their life more difficult to just put points on the board more consistently. Not that they've been in some sort of big rut, but against the Rams, a team that's de- defense hasn't been that special this year. Um, they really struggle to consistently get the ball downfield. I see a lot of what we saw from Patrick Mahomes a couple of weeks ago and what we're seeing with Kyler Murray right now, right? Guy that has the opportunity to, Break, you know, break a game open at any point. We saw some of those deep throws at fourth down late in the game where he throws a 50 yard dime down the field. I believe was Christian Kirk. Like we see the throws he can make. We know he's got DeAndre Hopkins open on man coverage almost every single time, but still 
you know, tip pass or not. He throws a pick uh, on the goal line and then throws another interception on a ball, which all he had to do is loft over, um, was it Leonard Floyd? Or if he, if he just lost it right over yes, his head. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got he lost, maybe he lost it right over his head. It's a, it's a wide open play for a first down. And instead he just underthrows it. And it was a great, you know, tremendous play by Leonard Floyd to jump up, tip it with one hand and then pick it off. But, you know, those are mistakes that keep them from winning the game. That and the fact that, you know, for the most part, when Kyler Murray scrambles out of the pocket, he's, he's going to create. But there's also times, too, where he scrambles out of the pocket and it's almost like he's doing himself a disservice, right? How many times do we see him try to scramble and the Rams and any team that has athletic edge rushers and linebackers that can come off the edge, they're just going to spy him. And there's a couple times where he literally just backtracked and then slid and took a sack. And it was like a 12-yard sack because he had nowhere to go. And it's almost like the first sign of panic, you know, the first sign of distress it's all of a sudden as if like the play loses all control, right? And that's something we saw with the Chiefs' offense um, back in the middle of the season. They've it seemed like they've you know they've kind of corrected it now. I don't know if scoring eighty nine points against the Raiders in two games kind <laughs> of you know throws a cloud on that because the offense still I think is not what we've come to expect from Kansas City in years past. But you know it's it's costly mistakes at costly times right now for Kyler Murray if he if he can limit those we obviously you know I said I think he has the opportunity to to be an MVP candidate this year but you know mistakes like tonight though they they will cost you and they did and uh it's not it's not a overreaction spot here right like it's not something that we should uh really come out here and really crucify the cardinals this is something where it's a division game. Them splitting is not shocking. I think what's more shocking perhaps or more impressive or more something to point to is this Rams team getting their shit together. And that's really the, the thing I want I wanted to focus on. I think we have so far, as far as Odell Beckham is concerned, is there anything there now that you're seeing? I know you just mentioned him before, but is there anything you're seeing with him being more comfortable and, and what do you think he could mean to this team now kind of just moving forward? Can they actually, can they actually get, can they get something out of him consistently here? Um, I think throughout for the, the rest of the season, I think for the, I think Odell Beckham honestly might be in a perfect spot here, Pete, right? For the first time in his career, he's not the number one guy and he knows he's not the number one guy and doesn't try to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Cooper cup is going to get double teamed in the playoffs. Cooper cup is getting all the attention. How many times did we see Odell as the second option and he was wide open because Arizona's defense was focused on Cooper cup and whether it's the soft cover three and you have the corners of the, of the, of the field open and the sidelines on the crossing routes, or you had man coverage. Odell Beckham is still good enough to, again, I said it, he's not the superstar receiver he used to be, but he's still a formidable receiver. And tonight he goes, what five catches, six catches for, for 77 yards in the touchdown. Like if you're getting that out of your number two option, this Rams offense may have may be back to the to the Rams offense we saw a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, and I, I and I said it. Let's not overreact of them beating the crap beating the shit out of the Jaguars. You know, it wasn't, but they obviously had a perfect game plan for this tonight. Uh, McVeigh drew it up, you know, about as perfectly as you could. Again, the offensive line protection, considering they were down two guys. Uh, was about as good as you could ask for. And a little bit of run game that they got from Sony Michelle, 20 carries, 77 yards, was enough to make it balanced enough to the point where Arizona couldn't just sell out and drop back into pass coverage every time because those three, four, five-yard carries that Michelle was getting on some plays, 
made the passing that much that much more dangerous. But yeah, no, again, if, if Odell Beckham can kind of just excel at the role he played tonight, this Rams offense is they're back. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about the division here for a second now. So the Cardinals are now ten and three, Rams nine and four. Obviously, that makes this division race a whole lot more interesting. And, and also, um, sorry, I meant to say this before: the play action passing game for Stafford and the Rams was yeah. back where you expect it to be. No, maybe not back, but it was where you expect it to be with McVay and with that scheme. The the broadcast highlighted it a few different times how effective he was on those. Uh, downfield passes and on play action specifically. But the Cardinals 10 and 3, Rams 9 and 4, Niners on a bit of a little run themselves, now 7 and 6. They had a big win holding off Cincinnati. Um, we'll talk about them in a second as well. The Rams have the Seahawks, Vikings, Ravens, and Niners for the final four games. The Cardinals have the Lions, Colts, Cowboys, and Seahawks. So no gimmies with the Colts, Cowboys, and Seahawks being a divisional game. The Lions probably a gimme. That's for the Cardinals. The Rams, not really a gimme, right? Seahawks playing better football. Vikings, not a gimme despite their freaking ridiculousness every single week. Uh, Ravens, never going to be a gimme. And the Niners, obviously not as well. What would you say uh, are the Rams' chances to, to catch up on this division? Or do you think the Cardinals are going to do enough to stave them off? I think the Cardinals will do enough uh, because one, when you look at the Rams, when they play the 49ers, right, they usually, they, mm-hmm. they can't beat them. Shanahan owns McVay. It's a very weird dichotomy in the NFC West with the coaches and who can beat who and who can't beat who. Um, Shanahan owns McVay, right? They get Debo Samuel and they get Ayuk on those jet sweeps and the LA Rams are not, athletic and fast enough to catch up with San Francisco. We saw them blow them out again Monday night, a couple of weeks ago. So that's a matchup that they have to figure out how to win. That's week 18. That might be for the division. Um, I said it the, uh, on the show I did that the Ravens, I wouldn't be shocked if they lose every game the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, especially when you consider you don't know what Lamar's health status is. I know they said they're expecting him to play on Sunday. Um, but you know, look, Rams at Minnesota, as bad as the Vikings are, as much as we shit on them, we know that they can, that's a game that they can easily win. Right. And that's a game I wouldn't be surprised if they've got a field goal lead with under two minutes and the Rams are trying to come back to win the game. Uh, and then look, you know, Seattle, they're, they're not a pushover as bad as they've been. That's another intradivisional game. So there's, I don't think there's any gimmies on the, uh, the Rams, uh, schedule here, the rest of it, I'd say the easiest game they probably have is on the road at Baltimore, um, but you know, I, I think, I think they'll be, they'll be fortunate to, to win 12 games to finish 12 and five. I think I have them probably more finishing at 11 and six. And, uh, you know, again, the Arizona Cardinals, if they lose to Detroit, then the panic, the panic button goes off, but you, I see them right. winning that. I see them not winning that game, getting to 11 wins. And then they basically just have to win, uh, you know, one out of three against Colts, Cowboys and the Seahawks. And I think they'll at worst have a, uh, you know, have the same record as the Rams here, but. I think the Cardinals will finish it off and win the NFC West uh, either at 12 and five or 13 and four. Yeah, I agree. I think they have just enough with the schedule, the way it plays out. Uh, And who knows, maybe this will give the Rams some sort of confidence now moving forward and they really take off into the end of the season. Uh, But still, it's going to be tough every single week for them on the Ravens front, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers, no gimmies on that schedule either. Clearly they just lost to the Steelers two weeks ago. Um, So the Steelers, with all their crap that you see on offense every single week when you watch them and how ugly it can be 
somehow, some way, <laughs> Big Ben starts looking good in fourth quarters here. It doesn't make any freaking sense. But we're going to talk about the AFC North in just a moment. Let's put a tie in on the NFC West here. So we talked about the Cardinals. We talked about the Rams. Um, with the Niners this week, they beat the Bengals. It was a good win for sure. You know, they deserve credit for it. They did make it a little bit interesting there at the end, right? They couldn't quite put the nail in the coffin, if you will, until overtime. Um, but is it as simple as Kyle Shanahan, again, is putting his playmakers in positions to succeed, even with Debo, you know, maybe you're getting 50% of him right now, 70% of him right now, George Kittle back to that elite level, uh, you coming around to what we expected him post a good rookie campaign. And the defense is playing solid for San Francisco. Are you impressed with what they got, or do you think they're on, they're on uh, you know, a run that shouldn't be looked at too deeply here? I mean, I'm impressed considering, you know, you look at uh, – we talk, we've talked about injuries this late in the season with, oh, with this team, look how banged up they are. I just said it with Baltimore. San Francisco is a team that's been banged up on, on the defensive side of the football almost since the get-go, right? They lost Jason Verrett. Um, you know, the, they've been out with you – know, Javon Kinlaw has been out for most of the year. D Ford's been out for most of the year. You know, they were banged up. Kittle was hurt. Now they're getting their guys back on offense. We're showing, we're seeing the product of the team that went to the Super Bowl with Garoppolo being, you know, I, I, I can't stop. I can't get away from the term game manager, right? I can't get yeah. away from it. I mean, it's what I'm, it is. That's what it is. But it's, it's true. His job is to not turn the ball over. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be asked to throw for 350 yards. If he throws for 240 and, and limits the turnovers, he's doing his job, right? He doesn't have the huge arm, but he's accurate. And, uh, all, you know, also with the fact that they've been down Mostert, down Sermon, uh, you know, down even Elijah Mitchell and, and Jermichael Hastie at many times this year as well. They have not had a healthy running back core at all this season. That's their strength, right? That's how they destroyed Green Bay in that NFC title game a couple of years ago when Mostert went for, what, 220 yards? So mm-hmm. they've been down their number one strength for most of the season. Uh, they're piecing it together as best as they can. You got to give Shanahan credit, right? You're seeing this team... Uh, you know, the fact that they showed the grit to hold off Cincinnati after blowing the lead, coming off the disappointing loss against Seattle. Uh, you know, they have two games that they have to win to finish off here. They've got to beat Atlanta at home. They're eight and a half point favorites. I think that's a pretty lofty spread considering the Falcons, you know, believe in themselves, believe they've got life and they do at six and seven. They've got to win that game and they've got to beat Houston, obviously. And at nine and eight, they'll have a, about as good a shot as any of these other teams that are all cluster cluster fucked here in the NFC. <laughs> it's so, it is so ridiculous to look at the standings. We were talking about it before we, uh, before we kicked off here uh, on the podcast tonight. And in the AFC, you have from number six to number 10, you got all teams with seven and six records. In the NFC, from seven to 11, you got all teams with six and seven records. So even the Seahawks, uh, I would say, and the Panthers, but they look like they're trending down while the Seahawks are trending up. Those two te- the Panthers and Seahawks are five and eight. If the Seahawks go on a little run here, absolutely they can get into the seventh spot. And then all of a sudden this NFC West that we kind of assumed would have a really strong chance to have three playoff teams here. All, they might have four playoff teams here, right? They might be all of the wild card teams uh, out of the NFC West if, you know, like we just mentioned, the Rams and Niners paths stay true here. If the Seahawks take care of business and they get some help from some of these random, weird, sometimes good, sometimes terrible teams in the middle of the NFC, why not? It's totally possible and something that we'll definitely be monitoring moving forward. But I think that puts a pin in the NFC West for now. Any last words there? Or should we move on? 
No, I'm, the only thing is, I'm, you know, I, I think Seattle's done, right? I think that loss to Washington was basically their dagger um, just because I don't think they're running the table. I don't think they're beating the Rams. I don't think they're beating the Cardinals. You know, I think uh, I think they'll, they'll probably finish 7-10, and 10, and I've said it from the beginning. I think this is the last year for Russell Wilson, and I think he's going to be a New Orleans Saint next year. So I think it's, uh, you know, the final stages here of this era for the Seahawks. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we'll see what type of fight he goes down with. He prides himself on being this competitor, you know, to a fault where, like, he seems like an absolute freakazoid of a human being sometimes, the way he is always so positive and says things, like, so robotically. It's, it could be frustrating for any normal human beings out there watching this man be inhuman, but sometimes it works for him, and sometimes it proves to be true that he is an inhuman type of performer who – puts out these these seasons every year that seemingly end up with nine or ten wins uh but that streak may be coming to an end as you outline it's going to be a tough go for them to actually find themselves in the playoffs uh but let's move on somebody sports talk Pete county pap well you know what it is let's talk about this uh let's talk about this bucks and bills game here before we go to the afc north and whatever the hell is going on in that division this bucks bills game was the marquee matchup of the week uh it was highly anticipated and really I think the big storyline going into the game and coming out of the game are how legit are the Bills. We talked about it early on this podcast, talked about how their wins were not the most impressive earlier in the season. And should we really look at them as, you know, the top tier of this league, Super Bowl favorites, et cetera. And I think we did a decent job kind of showing like, hey, what's been so impressive here? Their offense doesn't seem to have the same juice. Their defense is beaten up on nobodies. And then all of a sudden you look up and they are not in a position of power here in the AFC playoff rankings. They're currently at seventh behind the Colts because the Colts have the head-to-head tie break on, on Buffalo. And uh, they're one more slip up from not being in the playoffs, something that none of us could have fathomed even three weeks ago, let alone at the beginning of the season. So that was the big storyline for me going in. And it looked like they were getting their asses beat and they were going to get shut the hell down throughout that entire game. They showed fight. They came back in the second half, forced OT and lose a heartbreak to Tampa Bay and MVP frontrunner Tom Brady. So did you learn more, Pat, about the Bucs and their ability to just be a true top tier team in this league? Or did you learn about the Bills, either positive or negative, and their standing in this NFL right now? Uh, I'll say this. I think the Buffalo Bills are still a Super Bowl contender. Even at seven and six, they were my pick to win the Super Bowl. And not just because I'm dying on that hill. Um, I think they have what it takes. We know they have what it takes. I think the biggest thing for them right now is the offensive game plan one. I think Brian Dable has uh, come up shy in terms of his game, his play calling and their offensive schemes. I think they don't take nearly enough shots down the field. I don't think they utilized Josh Allen enough. They finally utilized him enough in the running game. I mean, he's the best running back, right? He ran the ball 12 times for 109 yards. Uh, they don't They don't have a run game. They don't have a run game outside of him. Brita, Singletary, and Moss, when he was healthy, the three of them just don't have it right now. And, you know, to make up for that, you're seeing Brian Dable kind of go to this West Coast offense where it's like, all right, we can't run the ball, so we're just going to throw short passes instead of running the ball. I don't like that. I think this team needs to be able to throw the ball, take chances down the field. I mean, Josh Allen's first four passes were all to Singletary, right? First four passes to your running back. You might as well just hand the ball off. And I know Tampa Bay's run defense is the best in the NFL, right? They, you, you basically can't run on them. 
but you got to get a little bit more creative in the way you run the ball, right? I don't see enough jet sweeps. I don't see enough RPOs from them where you give Allen the option to either, um, you know, hand it off, run in himself or throw the ball across the middle. And I just don't think they take enough shots down the field too, because Tampa Bay and we saw them do it. We've seen New England do it. Um, you know, where they kind of just keep everything in front of them when you play Buffalo, because you, for some reason, even though they have Diggs and they have Knox and they have Beasley, they kind of refuse to take shots over the top when Josh Allen's got one of the best arms in the NFL. So I think Brian Dable has really got to dig deep here and find a way to give them a chance to have more success on offense. And they've got to be able to try to run the football. Um, and Josh Allen is, you know, to, to not, to obviously not, take all the criticism off him. He's got to stop taking sacks and costly positions and in the red zone. And they've got to find a way to punch the ball in the fucking end zone when they've got it in the red zone, because they come up shy. They did it all the night long against new England. They did it again early in this game against Tampa Bay. They had opportunities to stay in that game early, which maybe would have been able to afford them to come back and win the game. And they had a chance to win the game again. They have been brutal in the clutch situations. The last two weeks against new England, they had two chances to win it. And again, against Tampa Bay, they, they complete this miraculous comeback and they have third and two and they go for a back shoulder end zone throw to Diggs. You need two yards yeah. to get a first down. What are you going for the end zone on that play right there? I just I, I think the play calling, again, has, has been the biggest issue. Um, but again, that being said, if they can correct that and I know it's I made it just sound out to be a lot. I don't think they're that far off. And right. And we always talk about. We, we, we live in the present at times too much, which is fair because we're seeing what's in front of us. But look how many teams every year get hot going into the playoffs and ride that high. I think Buffalo still has a chance to do that. And I think for all the, you know, the, the costly things they did, all the negative things they did, coming back down from 24-3 after the devastating loss against New England, they get into a huge early hold against Tampa Bay. You think they can just fold on that game and get their asses beat? They come back. And I think that showed you a lot about where this team still believes in themselves and, and uh, believe that they can be. So I'm hoping that for the Buffalo bills next week is the big uh, page Turner for them uh, considering unless they have the buy. No buys are done. I'm I was sure. going to say there's no more buys, right? Yeah. They got Carolina and they're 11 yeah. point favorites. That's a huge spread. I don't know if they'll cover that, but they could, if they show it, you know, again, this is a game where they could show, Hey, don't count us out because we're we're coming. Yeah, and Carolina with Cam Newton has lost eleven straight games with him as a starting quarterback, so they should be in good shape there. Buffalo should be, uh, but on the Buffalo front, one thing that's interesting that you know jumped out to me when you were going through some of their offensive things there. I know he was hurt a lot last year, but when he was on the field, he was an absolute game changer for them. That was John Brown being that the type of receiver that John Brown is basically is what they're missing right now. Like Emmanuel Sanders was kind of that guy for them at points this year. Gabriel Davis can kind of take the top off. He's more of a physical down the field guy rather than a burner. And I think that's what Josh Allen and this offense is missing most right now. As good as Stefan Diggs is the type of receiver Stefan Diggs is, is a technician. He is running these immaculate routes in the intermediate. Yes, of course he can go deep uh, on occasion, but that's not the strongest part of his game. He's really going to beat you up in that eight to 22 range and just dominate you in the middle of the field and on the sidelines all game, they're missing that explosiveness down the field right now. And that John Brown type player does not really exist on their offense. Uh, as far as the run game though, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I heard some really, really interesting stats about them. 
uh, on the gambling show with Warren Sharp. First, second, and third quarter. It is basically impossible to run the ball in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then in the fourth quarter, when they're typically up, they then play the pass heavily and people find some more success running the ball. And it's real easy to say, oh, you should have just done those running plays all game long. Clearly they had success. Tampa wouldn't allow those plays to work early in the game with Vita Vea and that whole front that they have up there. So I, I agree with you completely. The thing they should have done is had Josh Allen be their lead running back, which he is, and he has been for two seasons now, basically. Um, and until they figure out how to alleviate some of the pressure of him throwing the ball, he's going to have to be running the ball. And that's something that I don't know if they want to do, because clearly now he's banged up. He's got a foot issue already. Um, but it's something that's pretty much imperative for them getting into playoff time when they're going to have to control the ball to win games. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. You know, when you're getting all your, you know, your running production out of your quarterback, you know, that that's a problem, right? Josh Allen can run the ball successfully. Why can't Devin Singletary do it? Why can't Matt Breida do it? I mean, Zach Moss has basically phased himself out of this offense. So, you know, th- those guys just have to have to pick it up, <laughs> right? I, I, I mean, is it crazy to say that, uh, you know, if Josh Allen can, can run the ball 12 times for 109 yards, why can't your running backs pick up four yards of carry? Right. They're, they're, right. they're Singletary, Brita, they're doing nothing. And they fumbled the ball in some costly spots against New England. So, you, I, you know, you see Brian Dable and McDermott don't have trust in them. Um, so I don't know. Maybe these problems are too big for them to overcome when I start thinking about it. But, you know, at the same time, right, like we, we saw the problems the Rams had. And then tonight, you know, after blowing out Jacksonville, which, you know, basically means nothing. Now, now all of a sudden they, they kind of figured it out. And now after just one game, you think, all right, Hey, the Rams can, you know, obviously hang with anybody. Yeah. And what's the word on Stavious way? Is he still out? Is he still hurt? I, know I he believe, missed a game. I believe he's probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Yeah. And like, that's another thing too. Cause hey, he, tore his AC, he tore his ACL. He did tear his ACL. So he's out. And that's one of the things that's going to hurt them too. Cause with the Rams and what we just saw with the Cardinals game. Yeah. Their run game was a little bit better. Their play-action pass game worked really well, which you don't always need to run the ball to have a successful play-action game. But their defense put them in advantageous situations. It was the pick down by the red zone, and then it was the other pick that set them up. Uh, It wasn't quite in the red zone, but it was just outside the red zone. If the Bills' defense can take some of the burden off, give them that field position more, then, yeah, those other issues with the offense won't come, uh, you know, into the front – into right in front of your face as often. Uh, It's just something that's interesting to see a team that was so explosive last year in every facet, even with Singletary and Moss being average at best running backs last year, that was never an issue for them. I don't, I don't know if it's something specific, if it's just Dayball. I mean, who, who would have thought Brian Dayball was the guy everybody was going to look for as the next head coach in this league. And now oh, is he getting his door knocked down again? Uh, if it's the off season, probably still going to get some looks as a head coach, but not the offers he would have had last year. Um, after that incredible MVP type season that Josh Allen had, uh, so now what do they have coming up? The Bills, they they have yeah, every Carolina game for them on is, Sunday. Then the New England Patriots again. Um, so they have the Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, and Jets. So you know three extremely winnable games and one really tough one with the Patriots. They should be good to get the playoffs, um, but man, it's going to be a little bit hairier than they would have hoped right now because. Right on them is the Browns, the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Colts have the, te- the tiebreaker on them right now 
what's your worry level as far as the Bills simply making the playoffs? It doesn't sound like it's high, but is there any worry there at all? No, not at all. Uh, and again, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you, I, re, I know it's going to sound like I'm, I'm dying on the hill here of my preseason pick for the Bulls to win uh, the Bull, Bills to win the Super Bowl. But think about this: they, they beat Carolina, which they're eleven point favorites, right? I think they're the second biggest favorite in Week 15. They win that. They can, they can beat New England. They beat New England. Everybody's going to be right back on the Bills bandwagon. Right, everybody's going to be back on the Bills bandwagon. They will be nine and six against with the two games left against the Falcons and the Jets. And then it's obviously very conceivable to think they win out, get to eleven and six, and boom, there's your hot streak that you're looking for to go into the playoffs. That New right. England game, that New England game, is probably going to make or break their season in terms of the momentum that they can carry going into the playoffs. And if they win that game, uh, you know my my worry level that they're going to make the playoffs is a zero. My confidence level that they'll be Super Bowl contenders if they beat New England is going to be back to a 10. Because, again, I think they win out. They, they definitely win out then if they win that game. And at 11-6, and six, you're probably looking at uh, if they even if they don't win the AFC East title then, they're the wild card. They probably have the four or the five seed. And I'd put them up against anybody that they would then end up playing in the first round of the wild card. And the thing about that Patriots game that they just lost is the narrative around that game was the Patriots out-physicaled them and just bullied them up and down the field and Bill Belichick masterpiece. And those were all the narratives coming out of that game in Buffalo. You know, he went into Buffalo and shut them down. That game, that weather really, really tailored to what the Patriots are as a team right now. They want to be physical. They are physical. They're one of the most physical teams in the league, but in two weeks, if the weather in new England isn't crappy and it's not 35 mile per hour winds, that allows Josh Allen to do what he does best, which is throw the ball over the yard. And that, that makes the whole game different, right? And I don't think it's completely fair to the Bills to, to just say that the Patriots ran away with it and completely dominated, ran the ball right down their throat for an entire game. Because if that was the case, they wouldn't have won by four points. They would have won by 10. They would have been not down to a final couple plays there with the Bills with a chance to win. So to just say, oh, the Patriots dominated them, and took the life out of Buffalo, that doesn't tell the whole story to me because that game ended up being really, really close still. And in, I'm, I'm targeting it right now with all the love for the Patriots right now. I am targeting the Bills. I'm hoping that they're underdogs going into New England because then I am 100% betting the Bills with the points. It'll probably be two and a half or whatever, three, three points. Is that what you're thinking, Pat? Yeah, well, no, I was just giving you kind of like a yes, I agree with you, uh, but oh, I, okay. I realized I, did, I realized I, no, I realized I did have three fingers held up. Um, I'd be very interesting to, interested to see. I mean, if you let, let's play the what ifs here. Let's let's say that Buffalo beats Carolina handily, even if they don't cover. Let's say right. they beat them by seven to ten points, and let's say New England, who they have to do, do, do Saturday night against the Colts. Mm, tough game i mean it's, it's gonna depend it's gonna, it's gonna yeah i know they're underdogs right and it's gonna depend if they win that game they'll be favored to beat buffalo if they lose that game i see that game in foxborough i think buffalo would it would either be a pick em or i think buffalo would be a two-point favorite i think they'd have it right. under a field goal yeah i think no matter what it's under a field goal but that should tell us everything we need to know about where these teams are at and as excited we as we are about the patriots right now there is a world where Jonathan Taylor comes and does what he does and dominates the Patriots in his own way um, this week. And then who knows where, where the league goes from there. 
as the Patriots are currently the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, even though the Titans are tied with them by a record standpoint, uh, the Patriots had the tiebreaker. I don't know how confident we feel in the Titans. The Chiefs, though, are nine and four as well. We'll talk about the Chiefs and the Chargers big matchup in the AFC West in a minute. But Pat, I think it's now a good time. Actually, first, let's just talk about the Bucs for a second. Tom Brady's the MVP frontrunner. He's now minus odds to be MVP. And he's going to lead the league in touchdowns. He might get to 50 touchdowns again. Like, it's just hilarious to think about this guy, what he's doing without Antonio Brown, guy who was an incredibly dynamic receiver for them while he was healthy this year, which wasn't for very long. Godwin's crushing it. Evans is doing his thing. Gronk is absolutely a beast off the injury still. And can you even believe what's going on in Tampa? Or is this something that we should – I think we all kind of expect them to be a top-tier team. But now that it's here again and they're 10-3 and three and they're looking like a, a powerhouse in this league again, are we shocked at all? Or is this just par for the course? I, I mean, it's par for the course, dude, right? Like, who Brady can play till he's 50. Unless there is the magic drop-off, which we've been saying, when's it going to come? When's it going to come for 10 years? There's no reason to think he can't keep doing this for the next three, four seasons in the same way he's doing it now. He's got the off- – the, the number one thing, too, is the offensive line, right? Like, that offensive line is is so, so goddamn good, and they don't get talked about enough, right? We just talk about Brady. We talk about Gronk. We talk about Evans, and we talk about Godwin. But that's not all possible if they don't have the big guys up front that have all, as a collective unit, done a tremendous job. Marpet, Jensen, Kappa, Wirfs, Donovan Smith. Like, those guys are just tremendous. You see the clean pocket he has almost every single time he drops back to throw. He's got four, five, six seconds. We know Brady gets the ball out of his hands in like two seconds anyway, but he's always got extra time if he needs it. So that allows a guy like Tom Brady, who's, you know, again, 44. He could do this till he's 50 if he doesn't have to run and scramble and run for his life. You give him an offensive line, the guy's the most assassin-like quarterback picking apart defenses that the sport has ever seen that the sport will ever see so yeah it's par for the course right I mean this is just what we've come to expect and uh even even this year like you said he's got a chance to get to 50 touchdowns and you know 4,500 yards which is just absurd but uh, I mean there's there's no there's no more adjectives that you can use that haven't been used for Tom Brady and the way that he operates under this offense here in year two coming off the Super Bowl, they look just as good, if not better than last year. They look now, better than last that, year because they, they got off to a slow yeah. start last year. Yeah, true. It's really true. Last year I was saying how they were the Kevin Garnett Brooklyn Nets, and now they uh, clearly are more like the Boston Celtics <laughs> with Kevin Garnett <laughs> where they're still looking like a super team in their own right. So the Bucks have Saints, Panthers, Jets, Panthers coming up. And the Packers, who are also 10 and 3, we went through the Cardinals schedule already. Packers have Ravens, Brown, Vikings, Lions. Who, who are you putting your money on right now to get that one seed and the, you know, much looked for buy in the NFC? I'd say Green Bay. The only thing is how serious is this Rodgers toe injury, right? We hear, we keep hearing about it every week. Is it just filter feed for? you know, for Aaron Rodgers to keep performing the way he's performing and for us to say, wow, every single week, or is there actually something there? Um, You know, is that something that if he takes a hit and kind of gets stepped on or if he gets turf toe, like could that actually then start to affect the way he drops back, the way he can throw off his plant foot? Uh, You know, they don't, they, I'd say Tampa Bay probably has the easier schedule. 
Um, you know, again, I've, I've made my comments about Baltimore. I think they're decimated. Um, I think that's a game they can win. Even though, even though I'm a Browns fan, they did not show enough in that second half, nearly collapsing to Tyler Huntley to make Huntley to make me think that they can beat Green Bay. They've got a game against Detroit. Uh, so I think at the worst, Green Bay's going 13 and four. Um, but again, you know, Tampa Bay, they get to play the Panthers twice, the Saints, and who is the other game? The Jets. Does Tampa Bay still get to play the Jets this season? Is that what you said? I think you're on mute. I'm on I'm on mute, yeah. They they get the Jets as well. I mean, who's to say they don't go fourteen and three? Who's to say they don't win out? Uh, right. So it's gonna, it's going to be tough. It's going it's going to come down to whether or not Carolina can steal one of those games from Tampa Bay. Um, and again, that brings into the you know week eighteen. Man, they added that extra game. The players hate it. We all say we hate it, but we know we're going to love it because we know there's going to be all the storylines coming down to week eighteen of a team can you know win and get the number one seed and get the buy. Or do they choose to rest their players? You know, I think Tom would uh, would obviously rather play week 18 and get the buy and get the home field advantage. So, uh, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking that Tampa Bay is probably going to get the number one seed here. <laughs> once, yeah, you talk, the only- <laughs> once you talk through it and you look and you look at this, you know, we look at the schedules from three, four weeks out. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, it's it's an easier argument to make that Tampa Bay is, is going to get the number one seed and probably go 14 and three. Yeah, and the only thing the Packers have on Tampa right now is the tiebreaker. So if they do both win out, the Packers would technically get that spot, uh, at least based off of uh, the tiebreaker right now, which is just off percentages. But, uh, yeah, obviously if they both win out, they would, that would remain. So, yeah, that's going to be a tight one. And it'll be interesting because, you know, we've seen that by team obviously, you know, make it to the Super Bowl, but also we've seen that by team come out a little bit stiffer in that week after the bye where you know, if you play in that wild card round, you get some momentum, you beat up on a bad team. You know, if the Bucks end up getting, you know, whether it be Washington or Minnesota, whoever it may be in that seven seed, they can get a real confidence game in that first round of the playoffs. So we'll, we'll see how that one works out. Let's move on to the AFC North, which, you know, with the NFC West, AFC West a little bit, and the AFC North, we thought those were the marquee divisions in football. The NFC West has kind of taken up their end of the bargain now. Um, the AFC West has two strong teams in the Chiefs and Chargers, Broncos hanging around. Um, but the AFC North right now is an absolute disaster. They do have three teams with a winning record and a team at 500. So their records don't show that they're an absolute disaster, but the Ravens are a mess right now. The Browns, as you just mentioned, are not really too hot. And the Bengals seem to be a different team every single week. Uh, who do you want to talk about first? You want to go to Bengals first since we haven't talked about them yet? Yeah, sure. So they show fight, right? They almost came back big against the Chargers somehow. They almost came back against the Niners. But there's too much volatility seemingly with them. Do you trust Joe Burrow? With all the spectacular stuff that he does, he still seems to be prone to the interception. So what are you feeling with this Bengals offense right now? Boy, I'm going to be honest, man. They're, They're one of the toughest teams in the NFL to predict. Right. I mean, you, you look at the way they started the season, five and two, steamroll the Ravens. Then they lose to the Jets, get steamrolled by the Browns. Then they crush the Raiders, crush the Steelers, get crushed by the Chargers, and then lose in overtime to the 49ers. Just off those games alone, the last couple of games, and, and what you're going to get from Joe Burrow on a game-to-game basis is is really unpredictable, right? Like some of the numbers for him look really good, but you mentioned it. There's games where he does – he has the costly turnovers just like – 
you know, any quarterback who's not in that top elite tier, like he's got 14 picks on the year. He's, he's on pace to, to throw about 18 interceptions, which is a lot, right? That's, that's, that's more than one a game. Um, and even within a game itself, there's times where, you know, one quarter, he looks tremendous. They go two straight drives with a touchdown and then they go three straight drives where it's three and out interception or a stall drive, um, you know, after getting a first down or two. So they, it kind of just seems like with Burrow, with the offense itself, and even with the Cincinnati defense, I don't know what you're going to get from them from a quarter to quarter basis, let alone a week by week basis. Uh, so they, they, they are a very tough team to predict and they've got four toss up games here to finish the year. Broncos, Ravens, chiefs, Browns. Right. So I, I mean, I'm not even going to try to predict what, what we're going to get from Cincinnati. Uh, if I had to, I'd probably say they're going to end up coming up on the shorter side of the stick here. Uh, I don't think they would make the playoffs. Um, but again, that's also dependent on what Baltimore does. You know, I, I think one of the things that I'll stick with no matter what is that I don't think Baltimore um, can can overcome all these injuries they have faced. I told, I said it. I would not be surprised they lose every game the rest of the year, including one to Cincinnati. Uh, I think they put themselves in a good spot at eight and three. But now again, can Lamar stay healthy? We know they're decimated in the secondary. We know that they've been decimated in the run game. The offensive line is taking hits now. So it, it's 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 so tough, dude. It's so tough to predict. I, I'd say two teams that would miss out for sure would be Pittsburgh. And Cincinnati, I think the Brownies are in a good enough spot where they've got a favorable enough schedule that they can get in. And then it's whether or not Baltimore can dig really deep and Harbaugh can coach his ass off and get them to 10 wins. Because I think you get to 10, you're in. And the, the weird thing about Baltimore, not to just bring the conversation right back to them, but they do happen to be quite the interesting team every single week. Even a lot of their victories this year have not been convincing. Outside of a thrashing of the Chargers, and the Broncos a couple, you know, a handful of weeks back now, their wins are, you know, three points over the Vikings, three points over the Bears, six points over the Browns. That's their last three wins, and their losses are tight too uh, in a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of manners here. And it, it brings you back to that Steelers game where they went for two and they didn't, you know, we, we talked about it last week or two weeks ago or whatever it was, uh, yeah, last week, where, you know, you go for it on the road and you try to get the win but they have this guy named Justin Tucker, who's this elite kicker who can hit from 55 plus yards consistently. It, it, it makes you think like, was that the right string to pull? Should they have tried to play for overtime and gotten into an opportunity to win with the field goal or, or better. Right. And now with every single game meaning so much to them, the only benefit they have is that they won some of these crazy tight games early on. You think about that Lions game back in week three, the Chiefs victory in week two, where they won by one point. Like those are now huge. So granted, maybe you, you don't want to say, oh, they shouldn't have went for two against the Steelers when they had these last second wins where they were aggressive in the past, right? You got to be aggressive all the time or none of the times in, in some ways. So I, I don't know. Lamar's health is now in question too. With all the injuries this entire year for the Ravens, we kept saying, well, Lamar overcomes so much of that. Lamar makes up for so much of that. He can be a run game by himself. Doesn't matter who's playing running back. All that stuff is now coming to an end seemingly here. And the Packers just don't seem to lose very much. And that Bengals game in two weeks is going to be absolutely crucial for the Ravens. Cause if they get to nine, even you said they can get to 10 and they'll probably be in. If they get to nine, there's a good chance they sneak their way into that last wild card spot with how tight this AFC is right now. But 
I don't know where you find the confidence in the Ravens right now. The only thing that you can argue is maybe their defense, which is also banged up, has been hanging tough and and keeping things tight. So that that's really all you got to point to right now for the Ravens if you're trying to find some semblance of positivity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and again, the thing that makes this tough too, Pete, is all these teams are playing each other. Right? Yeah. They're all playing each other here. All these playoff teams, look at I mean again, we just you know, look at the Ravens schedule. Playoff team and the Packers, team that's the you know, one one probably makes the playoffs, the other who loses probably doesn't get in between them and the Bengals. Uh, the Rams, who, again, we, we've talked about them at length here this episode. They look like they're back. I think they're basically a lock for the playoffs at nine and four. And then the Steelers, who are hanging on by a thread and, and you know, definitely have to get to nine wins in order to get in since they couldn't beat Detroit in that game where they tied. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, these next four weeks are going to be an absolute fucking doozy. What's your read on the Browns right now? Uh, I mean, I know Chubb and Hunt are now on the right side of getting healthier, but obviously it wasn't it still wasn't pretty to get the win this past week. What's their, what's their makeup now? Baker's obviously playing through a bunch of injuries. What, what are you feeling on the Browns chances here to, to get this division? Well, I'll, I'll tell that I'll say this, you know, if they play the, if they play the rest of the way that they did in the first half against Baltimore, they will make the playoffs. If they play the way they did in the second half, they will crash and burn. Um, I think they went through their midseason funk. I think Baker with that buy, that was the, the spot he really needed. He looked great in the first half. Not that he looked bad in the second half, but he didn't do anything. I think a lot of that was Stefanski's play calling very vanilla script play calling that uh, has plagued them at times this season. Um, first things first, they got to go out and beat Vegas. They've got to beat them at home. Vegas looks like they're, you know, in their typical, uh, late season swoon here where they just kind of crash and burn out of playoff contention. That's gotta be a game on Saturday afternoon that the Browns have to win. You feel really, really good about them going into Sunday. Uh, if they win that game on Saturday at eight and six, um, you know, again, they, they're, they're not going to be favored to beat the green, the green Bay Packers, which makes, the game against the Raiders even that much more important because then even if you split those two, you're eight and seven with games against the Steelers and the Bengals, two division rivals to finish off the year where you would most likely be controlling your own destiny if you're eight and seven going into the final two weeks. Yeah, and the thing about the Raiders too, man, you cannot look at their thrashing by the Chiefs. You can't look at that and be like, ah, they're done because the Raiders are one of those stupid teams that Every time you think they're good, they're going to fall apart. And every time you think they fell apart, they're back together somehow. Derek Carr slinging the ball down the field. You cannot take them lightly. If the NFL has proven anything this year is that you can't really take any team lightly, maybe outside of the Texans and Jaguars right now. Even the Jaguars beat the Bills, right? So even the worst teams in the league, the Jets, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Giants, et cetera, like you just can't take a game off. And, and that's what we're, that's what we got. Everyone is talking about this final week. You mentioned it before. I don't know, Pat, as a fan, as a viewer of football, this 18th week is adding some sort of intrigue here that's going to be absolutely nuts to, for playoff implications and for how the standings are going to break down uh, into the final two weeks of the season. I get why it's so negatively portrayed from players and former players and people on TV who are looking for talking points about oh, it's not fair, it's not right to the players, blah, blah, blah. As a pure fan over here, as a guy just sitting here who loves football on Sundays and Saturdays and Mondays and Thursdays, whatever the hell day the NFL is on, I am tuned in. We get an extra week of meaningful football. It's not like in 
you know, if in baseball or basketball, if they added 10 games, which they would obviously, they wouldn't do, they would be going the other way. Most likely we would be sitting there in March. I'm sorry. In like, um, in like January for basketball and being like, Oh my God, we have how many more games you'd be sitting there in May for baseball and be like, Oh my God, how many more games in football? It's one more week. And the viewing experience is going to be freaking awesome. I don't know about you. I'm hyped about it in that regard. I know it's shitty in some ways, but in a lot of ways it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, again, we, we love looking ahead and Sunday, January 9th, there's going to be playoff implications in almost every single game i'm just 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 going through the 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 slate really quickly saints and falcons right now both at six and seven you got to think one of those teams is going to have a chance to make the playoffs on the final day jets at the bills again do the bill will the bills have done enough by then will they need that game to you know to win it to you know confidently get in Bengals browns is going to be absurd uh patriots dolphins is going to be a great game miami's still got a shot here i know mules oh my god we haven't even mentioned them yet I know. I know Mule's not giving up yet. You know, does Minnesota have anything left after what we've seen from the last two weeks? They play the Bears in the final week. Could they Could they be a win and get in? Washington, the same thing. Can they beat the Giants to get in? Cowboys, Eagles, um, Panthers, Bucks, only maybe if, you know, Tampa Bay can get the number one seed. Uh, Colts probably going to need to win against the Jaguars to get in. Steelers, Ravens is going to be absurd. Chiefs Broncos is going to be a great game. Chargers oh Raiders, 49ers Rams and Seahawks Cardinals. Like <laughs> it's going to be nuts. It's going to be an absurd 6 hours, 7 hours. Poor Scott, poor Scott Hansen is going to have a damn aneurysm on red zone. I can't wait. Yeah, for real. Oh my god, that's going to be awesome. All right, well let's let's finish up with our final topic here. Just talk about the Chiefs and Chargers here, both dominant wins on Sunday. Chiefs over the Raiders, Chargers over the Giants. Wasn't close for a second. Maybe you can argue the Chargers Giants was close for a second, literally one second. Um, but both of those teams coming in hot to face off against one another. Uh, the Chiefs coming around, man. Not only has the defense been good for a bunch of weeks in a row, the offense has looked like a real offense again. Looks like the Chiefs um, to some extent, obviously maybe not back to the peak of their powers, but legit again. <sighs> Pat, are the Chiefs back fully? Are they back to where they need to be to run a table here and enter the playoffs as a true Super Bowl contender again? Or do you think the Chargers can come in and knock them down? They're back. They're not back fully. They will be back fully, and people will be crowning them Super Bowl favorites yet again if they beat the Chargers on the short week on the road in L.A. on Thursday night. I think that's, I think that's about as simple as it gets, right? They win that game. They're 10-4. and four. They'll have won, what, six in a row. The defense has been fantastic. I can't, I mean, I can't believe it basically on the, on just on the, on a hinge, how quickly Steve Spagnolo, I guess it wasn't quickly, but how dramatically this right. defense changed from one week to the next and how they have just continued to play at an elite level over these last five, six weeks here. Uh, if they do that again against the Chargers offense, which is putting up absurd numbers, Justin Herbert, you know, second quarterback ever with uh, 30 more touchdowns in his first two seasons and uh, if they can slow down that Chargers offense, you know, then 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 they're back fully. Then they're 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 fully back, and I think they're going to get helped out. I don't think Keenan Allen's going to be off COVID uh, out of COVID protocols by that time. It's going to be close. I think he's coming up on that ten days if he's not vaccinated. Um, and I don't know if I saw whether or not he is or is not vaccinated, which means he would only need two negative tests. Either way, uh, that's this is a huge test. This is a huge test for the Chargers. 
um, and a huge test for their offense. That being said, right, they have had a lot of success against Kansas City the last couple of years, you know, with Bosa and that front seven being able to get to Mahomes and kind of wreak havoc um, and just give the secondary just kind of enough of what they need to, to stay in coverage long enough. So, I mean, I can't wait. That spread, I saw it on the look-ahead spread before the games were played Sunday. It was at one and a half. Now it is up to four after the results. Mm. Even after the Chargers whooped the Giants, that's at a four-point spread for Kansas City on the road on a short week. I'll probably be betting the Chargers, peep, and I'm probably not putting a ton on it, maybe just a unit or two, uh, just because I am scared that we are in the midst of the Charger, of the Chiefs getting fully back to being Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, it was something that, I got to give myself a pat on the back. I've been saying for 10 weeks now, like everybody just calm down. We're going to look up and they're going to be on top of the division. They're going to be right in the thick of it at the top of the AFC. And boy, was it clunky for a minute, but they are back here. And you think about what was meaningful victories uh, across this entire league and to all the people who beat the chiefs, which it felt like every win against the chiefs counted for two for the other teams, but guess what? It only counted for one. They lost two games in the first three weeks. They lost three games in the first five weeks and all four of their games in the first seven. So since then, just ripping off wins, beat the Packers with Jordan Love, whatever. But then dominant Ravens win, big-time defensive performance against the Cowboys, dominate the Broncos, dominate the Raiders. Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos, I mean, they can win. Definitely they can win all four, but realistically you can expect them to win at least three and feel real good going into the playoffs, man. It's absolutely, you know, it's something that we shouldn't be shocked by, but it's absolutely impressive to see a team get beat up and look nowhere near where we expected them to be uh, halfway through the season to now just rattling off win after win with a chance to to make a run to the top seed in the AFC. Uh, and, yeah, here we go. Patrick Mahomes is back. Justin Herbert going to have something to say about it. I don't know if you have anything else to add on that game. I think that might be it uh, for, for me here. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, uh, it's a chance once again for Justin Herbert to kind of, you know, kind of tug at the throne that Mahomes has been sitting on here for the last three seasons. Now, again, he's already beaten them. What twice out of the last three times they've met. So he's got a chance to do it again. And uh, yeah, we'll see if Bosa and that Chargers defense can step up the way they have against Kansas City the last two years they've played them. So very, yeah. very interesting matchup. And I think, again, who does this short week favor, right? That, that's, that's the real question. Who does this short week with a lack of preparation on an offensive side, who does that really favor? Uh, the more and more that I think about it, and you know, I'm starting to think it might be it might be Kansas City, right? Because usually the de- we, usually so we too. see usually we see a more sloppy style of football on a short week because you know the the three less days that usually has more of a benefit on opposing defenses rather than your offense. Um, so we'll see what Staley and the, and company can come up with in LA against this Chiefs defense again that has been the best in the NFL over the last month and a half, um, and then also. You know, we'll see what the Chargers can kind of do, can kind of scheme to see if they can take the ball away and get turnovers on Mahomes in Kansas City. Yeah, and my key to the game here, because it's something that's been a thorn in the side of the Chargers this entire season, is their run defense. And yes. sneakily, the Chiefs are top 10 right now in yards per attempt. Yeah, uh, good point. four and a half yards per attempt right now on the ground. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is back. Darrell Williams is a very serviceable running back. And if those two guys can – 
consistently pick up that four and a half, five yards a pop, all of a sudden you're looking at this game where the Chiefs have uh, ball control and their possession time is 10 minutes more than the Chargers. And all of a sudden they're up by 14 and the Chargers are in desperation mode before you know it. If the Chargers need, they need to get out to an early hot start. Otherwise, I can see the Chiefs running away with this and blanketing the Chargers offense, which is something that's really hard to do. Let's not make it seem like an easy task to slow down the Chargers offense with the way Justin Herbert can sling that thing. Um, but yeah, man, I'm freaking pumped. What a Thursday night game we have on our hands. Uh, but Pat, we did our picks already. We did our little recaps. No fancy buttons and no, uh, no regrets. No, I hate myself on this episode. You know, we're, we're bare bones today. We're all dogging it. <laughs> From the start, still giving you guys an hour of content no matter what, even though I'm sitting in an empty room right now. Uh, in and a tailgate chair. And it, literally in a tailgate chair with my, <laughs> with my computer on a bag of clothes. And that's what we got. That's what we're rolling with, though. We still got the content out here. That's what we do. Dude, raw dogging for an hour and a half, unlimited sleep <laughs> after you moved your, you know, one apartment to another. And I was up at uh, 3 a.m. on Monday morning to, uh, to work uh, at, at CBS Sports Radio. Oof. I think we've shown tremendous stamina here, and I hope the, yes. the folks of Subway Sports Talk are uh, are, are pleased. Hopefully, they appreciate. <laughs> I hope they're it. pleased. How, they're pleased customers. Yeah, and uh, how is how is your show, CBS Sports uh, Radio? You had a few hosting opportunities there in the past two weeks or so. How was your overnight for CBS? Good man. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So you know, we'll see what the holidays bring here in the next two weeks. But uh, I love that show, doing the Friday night into Saturday morning because we have basically all the affiliates around the country, right? Like WFAN is like one of the only radio stations that has 24 hour live local programming. So Mm -hmm. like I was, you know, I was on in Cleveland, on in Chicago, on in Detroit, on in LA. So it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Good for you. Keep going out there. We love to see it. We're always pulling for you over here from Subway Sports Talk. That's all we got. I think that's all we got for today. Any last words, Pat? No, that's it, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to knock out. Yeah, bro. Go to sleep. I'm going to do the same. Cheers to everybody for listening. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle. We'll be back. I don't know if we'll be back with a second episode this week, but we'll obviously be back next week, hopefully for two next week, as uh, I'm officially done with my move. Maybe me and Pal get uh, linked up in person in the next couple of weeks, too. All right, everybody. Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Cheers. <laughs>